You're listening to the Her True Strength Podcast, and in this part two of the Bodies and Bible series, we are talking about modesty and body shame, all from a gospel-centered approach. So if you're ready to find freedom to live comfortably in your God-given body and confidence to know that you're actively pursuing the modesty that he has designed for us so you can live fully engaged and present with those you love, tune in for today's special episode where we answer the question, what is is biblical modesty. Hey guys, welcome to the Her True Strength Podcast. Your host, Coach Laura Lindahl here. And I gotta say, I have been loving the feedback that we've been getting from the bodies and Bibles. Bodies and Bibles, well, bodies and Bibles. Hmm, maybe I shouldn't have named it that. We'll see. From the bodies and Bibles series. And I'm really excited that it's been so impactful for you already and just look forward to more of the impact that is yet to come. So if you are the active women like me who maybe grew up in the church, it's likely at some point you had the talk and insert air quotes over the talk. You likely know what I'm talking about. The talk on modesty, the talk on purity, the talk on sexuality, or some other form of that. Maybe you were fortunate and maybe you did have a mentor show you what biblical modesty looked like, who was brave enough to share her heart. You could see her habits and you were able to grasp biblical modesty. I did not have that. Maybe if you are on a deep dive like me, or maybe you're just now discovering that your initial perspective on modesty was based on a lot of assumptions rather than on God's truth from his word, maybe that's you. And if that's you, you are the person who I have created the series for because maybe you didn't have that talk from a compassionate perspective. Maybe like what it felt like for me, you were getting punished for being a woman, that men were just out to get your body, or maybe that God somehow didn't love what he created in your body. Maybe that talk came with a set of strict rules about hemlines, necklines, and v-necks like mine did. And today, it's my hope that we change that. As we dive deeper into part two of the Bodies and Bible series, we're going to have a talk on modesty that I wish I had growing up. Because while I'm thankful for the women who did speak into my life at a young age, because I, I do believe they had good intentions, the implications of what they said caused a lot of harm to the way I saw my body, the way I see my husband, and the way I see a lot of men around me. And if I'm being honest, I've had to do a lot of rewiring in my mind about what I believe and I believe that we can do better. I believe that in this generation to come, we can find an approach that is in the messy middle where we are leaning heavily on the Holy Spirit and leaning heavily on the gospel to guide us in these conversations and not leaning so heavily on legalistic laws and rules that are arbitrary. And I want to begin with this. Modesty is not a simple, easy, or uncomplicated topic, right? Even maybe as I'm talking about this, you're thinking of experiences you've had, and I just want to let you know it's hard to talk about. There's background, there's context, there is nuance, and it must be filled with a lot of grace. So as you tune into this, please tune in with grace and know that in no way am I shaming the women who preached purity culture, nor am I fully embracing the world's culture of freedom of self-expression sexually. I'm also not an expert on this topic. I am learning right alongside you. So while this is difficult, it's not the easiest conversation to have. I realize that you and I still get dressed in the morning. 
right? (laughs) We still walk to and fro in our bodies. We still wear clothes. We still wonder, is this the right thing to wear? We still wrestle with judging other people and saying, is she really wearing that, right? The reality is that we still have these thoughts. We are still living lives. So my fear-driven option to just not talk about it with you is also not helpful because I know that if I'm struggling with these things, it is likely that there are other women out there and it is very beneficial for me to be able to lean into what the Holy Spirit is telling me to share. And so it is my hope and my prayer that this episode will help you to find that gray zone like I talked about where things take work because if you've been listening for any time now, you know that we are not afraid of that here. And that gray zone where you have to search the scriptures for yourself, you have to do the work of knowing and seeking the Holy Spirit's guiding. You're not just relying on a set of guidelines given to you by somebody else for what modesty is. Because if we're looking at scripture, we are commanded to watch how we are walking, right? Ephesians 5.15 tells us to watch how you walk, to examine your choices, to monitor your motives. Because our hearts, as much as I would love to say that our hearts are wonderful things, what we learn from scripture is that our hearts are deceptive, right? And unfortunately, on this side of heaven, we all still wrestle with the flesh and we need the Holy Spirit to guide us. And speaking of the Holy Spirit, I will say that I have leaned heavily on him and a few other resources that I will share with you guys at the end. So be sure to stay tuned for those if you'd like to do some more reading on the topic on your own, because you can likely agree with me that trying to fully cover this topic in a sub 30 minute podcast episode would be a daunting task, (laughs) nearly impossible, but we'll do our best. So with that stage set, let's dive in. The other day I was having a conversation with a new mom who is found who found out she is having a girl and she was sharing some pretty reasonable fears about having the modesty talk with her daughter one day. How she felt totally unprepared and ill-equipped on how to talk about it because all she knew growing up was hemlines and neckline guidelines. She was wondering, will I let my daughter wear a bikini? Were crop tops out of the question? Now I'm having a boy myself and or I have a boy right now, Boaz. He's six months old when I'm recording this. And I have to tell you, I kind of initially took a massive sigh of relief, like, oh, phew, so glad I have a boy and I don't have to worry about these questions. But God took his gentle little finger and poked my heart. And he said, yes, Laura, you still need to have these conversations about modesty with Boaz. Because while all of the guidelines of hemline, neckline, crop tops, and bikinis might not apply to him, what does apply to him is a heart that is humble, a heart that is kind, and a heart that is compassionate. And that ultimately is what I believe modesty stems from. We are our hope is our prayer is to raise a human who needs to be discipled, who needs to be led and guided towards biblical modesty of his heart. And both my husband and I are responsible for discipling him in that way. But that conversation did get my head pondering. Why is it that we have such a hard time with this topic? Why does it feel so icky? And when I pondered this, the reason, the conclusion that I came to is that we have been given very complex views on modesty because we were never asked the deeper questions about modesty that need to be addressed. We were given shallow answers to a very deep question. And the questions are uncomfortable to ask. I get it. It takes time. It takes work. Discipleship is messy. And it requires a full dependence on God because we don't know all of the answers. The real question about modesty we need to be asking is what does this outfit say about who I believe myself to be? 
it's much deeper than most have dared to dive in this topic. What we choose to wear tells a story about who we believe ourselves to be. It's an act of expression of what's going on beneath the surface. Here's some examples. It can say, I've been ignored by my father and I want the attention of men, so I'm going to wear X, Y, or Z. It can say, I've been abused and I need a safe place to hide. It can say, I'm anxious about fitting in and I need to be accepted. Maybe even as I'm saying these, you are picturing what somebody might wear because what we wear on the outside is often a reflection of what's happening in our heart. When we think back to the first clothes ever worn, what were they? Okay, we're going to go all the way back to Genesis, the moment where Adam and Eve sinned in the garden and shame snuck in. They realized they were naked and made for themselves coverings of figs, fig leaves. Can we think about that for a minute? I have a fiddle leaf fig tree in my home, and I can't imagine how insufficient and utterly embarrassing it would be to walk around with fig leaves, which is why God stepped in later in Genesis 3, and made for them coverings of animal skins. Man, talk about an amazing foreshadowing of the inadequacy of humans and the better provision of Jesus by slaying those animals. But can I ask you, what did those animal skins given by God reveal about them? Well, it did reveal that we were insufficient to create things on our own, but those new animal skins, I believe, probably looked pretty darn good that they were it showed them that they were cared for even in our shame even in awareness of our brokenness that we are cared for so deeply and every day we pull something out of our closet we have the opportunity to share that same story we are also equally have the opportunity to create a different story for ourselves we can unfortunately choose to portray a story of proving of striving, of efforting, of hiding, or of shame. All stories, by the way, I have played out faithfully over the years, so know that I approach this with a lot of grace. These are stories that when we play them again and again, they not only hurt us, but can affect the women around us, the men around us, even the children around us, and for that matter, the generations to come as we portray what is normal or common to the people and women around us. It can take the joyful and free life that we have in Christ, and it can create tension in our communities and the people that we do life with. From a health perspective, the clothes that we wear play a massive role in how we show up, don't they? And how we feel while we are moving, while we are working out. If you have ever worn a spandex tank top that was tighter than you'd like to in the gym, then you likely know the thoughts of anxiety, fear, and the sucking in-ness that happens, right? And what happens? How does our body respond to that? These anxieties, they cause headaches from tension. They cause poor eating patterns. We skip meals. We start over-exercising. And the list just doesn't stop there. Guys, we have to come to terms with the reality that modesty is biblical and is much less about the specific clothes that we wear per se and much more about the story that we are telling with our body and the clothes that we choose to put on it. And so today, instead of giving you guidelines that are somewhat arbitrary and to be honest, not necessarily found in scripture, they're going to vary based on your culture, your lifestyle, your habits. I'd like to give you three irrevocable truths from scripture that shape how we dress these bodies we are living in. Three things to remind you 
of when you put on your clothes for the day and see yourself in the mirror. And I can tell you, if you choose to use these truths to shape what you choose to wear, they will not only grow your confidence in Christ, but they'll also help you to love those around you well, to create a closet that is useful and build thought habits that you can teach your daughters, your sons, the women you disciple. So let's get to it. First, truth. You are not your own. This is so contrary to what the world tells us, particularly in health and fitness, right? Shape up your body. Do it for you. But I get this from 1 Corinthians 6, verses 19 through 20, where Paul is reminding the Corinthian church that, to be honest, they wrestled with sexual sins and idolatry of self. Like, hello, America. That is us. Uh, He is reminding them that we are Christ's workmanship that we can't make ourselves, we can't make our hearts start beating. Guys, going through pregnancy, if you have gone through pregnancy, you can probably relate to this. If not, just gather a bit of imagination. Going through pregnancy, the fact that I am not my own became extremely apparent to me, and I knew that so much deeper because I could not tell you how to create a human being. Like, I know how the process starts, right? But I could not force my body to make Boaz's eyes blue or his hair blonde. I couldn't force my body or teach my body how to build a human brain or nervous system or endocrine system. God did that. My body knows, but who made my body? God did. See, we are not our own. And because of that, our choices for what we wear aren't limitless if we remember whose we are and the God that we represent He is holy. He is just. He is compassionate and caring. He's not selfish. He does not seek attention or approval because, to be honest, he already has it. And so do we. And our dress needs to reflect that character. Okay, second truth. Hello. If you are listening to this, you are a woman. In Elizabeth Elliot's book, Let me be a woman, she says, the fact that I am a woman does not make me a different kind of Christian, but the fact that I am a Christian makes me a different kind of woman. Guys, femininity is God-given. It comes with having a body that is different from men, right? We have boobs, we have hips, we have vaginas. These are all God-given and good things, not to be ashamed of because they are part of God's intricate and creative design. We can be grateful for them, but that doesn't mean that we need to parade them. To do that says that the creation is better than the creator, that displaying my body is more important than honoring the Lord in humility. I will say there is a time and there is a place for showcasting, for for showcasing the goods. Don't get me wrong, but for our flourishing in God's glory, I believe it is best to remain in the home and as a special gift between a husband and wife. It's okay to wear feminine clothes. You don't have to dress in a robe, but are you keeping the aspects of your femininity reserved for your husband, reserved for your husband? Are you trying to display the world's version of femininity or God's version. See, biblical femininity is less about showcasing our curves and it's more about showcasing Christ, which leads me to number three. You live in community. You do not live on an island. Well, maybe you actually do. I know I have some people in Hawaii who listen to the podcast, but even if you do live on an island, you're likely not a hermit who sees no one. 
We walk amongst brothers and sisters in Christ who, by the way, are just as broken as you and I, who have struggles. And this is men and women, by the way. This means that when we get dressed, we're not dressing for our eyes only. In Paul's letter to the young pastor Timothy, he encourages the women, that's us, to adorn ourselves with modesty and self-control, which I thought was an interesting word to use. But this means that when we get dressed in the morning, the desire of our heart needs to be to pursue holiness above pursuing our happiness and to pursue compassion for those around us rather than body confidence. Not that those other things are bad. Happiness and confidence are not bad things, but if we create disordered desires, as Jen Wilkin often says, that is where something can sneak in that can create jealousy or lust. And that, my friend, living in this way to pursue holiness and to pursue compassion for those around us takes a lot of self-control. Because I don't know about you, but without Jesus, y'all, I want to be noticed. (laughs) I want to be liked. I want people to see my quads, my delts, my traps that I've been working on. I want to be noticed. And while it's not necessarily a bad thing, that desire can easily become disordered. To what lengths am I willing to go to be noticed? Ask yourself that question. And in that attempt, am I forgetting that I'm already noticed? I'm already loved. I'm already accepted by the creator of the universe. So while I can't sit here and tell you exactly what that looks like, I can't tell you which dress to wear today, which shirt to wear today, I can't tell you what to wear and what not. I can ask yourself, when you're choosing your outfits, ask yourself, am I trying to promote myself? Am I using self-control? Am I trying to help protect others? Am I loving others as Christ does by choosing to use self-control in what I wear and don't wear? So maybe you thought you'd be getting a list of do's and don'ts from this episode. Maybe it brought up some bad memories, but hopefully you are not. Hopefully you're beginning to gain this framework, something that you can use as a tool to ask yourself in the morning when you put clothes on, is this outfit in line with the three truths that I know to be true about me and my body? that I am not my own, that you are not your own, that I am a woman, that you are a woman, that I live in community, that you live in community. And here's the reality. When we do this, when we use this framework, we eliminate a lot of decision fatigue. And if you have gotten dressed and tried on several outfits in one day, you know what I'm talking about, that mental fixation on what we look like and what we should wear, it drains us. To be honest, it takes up a lot of time and ultimately it makes us think more about ourselves than we were designed to. Reminding yourself of these three identities helps us to make decisions based on what God wants more than what we want. And in turn, helps us to live more fully into the peace and freedom that he wants for us that can only be found in him. Now, as I promised, I'd like to share a few resources that I found to be really helpful when navigating these conversations. I have been a raving fan of Breaking Free from Body Shame for some time now. I am on my third time reading it through, and I can't get enough of that book. Uh, I've actually gifted it to a few of my clients because it is so good. Jess Connolly just knocks it out of the park and does a great job of realigning truths about body image for us as believers. So if you have not read that book, check it out. 
Secondly, I'd like to give a shout out to the Gospel Coalition articles that I scoured to find biblical insights on this topic that were aligned with a non-legalistic view I really needed to hear, and particularly those from Megan Hill. Last but not least, actually second to last, shout out to Elizabeth Elliott for her book, Let Me Be a Woman. And last but not least, one I am super excited to read in the flesh of the book. I'm only on an audiobook version right now, and I'm waiting for it to come in from the library, um, which is a book by Sam Albury and David uh, Paul David Tripp, which is called What Does God Have to Say About Bodies? So as always, if you have been tuning into this podcast for some time but haven't left a review, shot me a DM on Instagram or just to say hey or share this podcast with a friend. Can I ask you, what are you waiting for? I got to tell you guys, running these podcasts costs over $400 a month. And to be truthful, I'd pay more than that because I know that not everyone is in a place to push the green light on coaching and that this podcast provides an evergreen library for you at no cost but if you have gained something here please pay it forward leave a review shoot me a dm or share the podcast with a friend and i would be ever eternally grateful for it i hope this podcast was helpful for you guys i'm excited to hear all of the things that you have learned from it until next time all the love coach laura